Sublease space available in North Texas now tops the 9 million square feet mark. What is going on here? Sublease and all things thereunto is our topic today on the Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast. I'm your host, Jan Gibbons, joined by my trusty sidekick, Robert Craig (laughs) Gibbons. this is being driven by office tenants being required to go home and then finding out they really can work remotely. Guess we could call it pandemic subletting. I think you're right, at least about the uh, part about realizing they can effectively work remotely and that driving the decision. But I think there's also a desire to reduce their overhead. I mean, available office space has increased by almost 50% since January. And that means we now have 9.2 million, as you mentioned in the intro, of sublease space, and half of that is vacant. So, and or, and what that means is that half the space people are still quote occupying, even though they're trying to get rid of it. So, are they actually in there? Probably not. It's probably just their stuff. Anyway, subleases now make up about 15 to 20 percent of all space available in the North Texas area, and nationally, we have about 180 million square feet available. So who is it that's putting all this space on the market? Is it like just a bunch of small companies? You know, actually, it's a broad-based cross-section of the economy. Yeah, there there are definitely small companies that are doing it, but there are also giant national and international companies that are doing it too. I mean, just for example, Uber has 102,000 square feet they're trying to sublease in a brand new building in Deep Ellum. And Michael Stores is trying to lease sublease their 300,000 square feet in Las Colinas. So if you need 100,000 square feet and you want it to be sublease only in an office building, you have 11 options in DFW right now. If you want more than 200,000 square feet, you have four options. And even 300,000 square feet, you still have two options available. And that's just sublease space. If you add in the amount of space that's available on a direct basis from all the landlords, then you have many, many times that number available to you. You just now mentioned direct space. How are landlords responding to sublease space? You know, it's all over the board. Uh, Some landlords are being very cooperative because they wisely know that it's better to have somebody in the space when that sublease expires than to have it sitting there vacant with nobody that wants it because the current primary tenant certainly won't want it. Uh, They've already moved out of it. Other landlords are being more difficult because they have a lot of space to lease themselves on a direct basis, so they don't want competition from subleases within their own buildings. So can the landlord stop a sublease from happening? Absolutely. I mean, landlords are required to consent to the sublease. That's a provision in the lease that you cannot sublease without their consent. So that means that they have the right to reject the request. You know, if, if the use, let's say, of the, of the subtenant is not compatible with the building, they're going to do something in there that's not appropriate for that kind of a building, the landlord can reject the sublease request. Um, if they have been negotiating, the subtenant has been negotiating with, uh, or I'm sorry, if the landlord has been negotiating with the same company for a direct lease in the building, well, now they can reject the sublease request. Uh, if the prospective subtenant is a tenant in the building already, just for that reason, they can reject it. Or uh, let's say the subtenant's business 
will violate an exclusive use provision and another tenant's lease in the building, now they can reject it again. So we actually have two transactions going right now that this is uh, factored into. We have a client in a high-rise office building, high-end building, and they wanted to move from their direct space into a sublease space in the same project. And uh, the landlord rejected it because they're a current tenant. They had the right to do that. And there was nothing that we could do about that. Um, in another case, we have a client negotiating for a full floor sublease in a building where we are also negotiating with the landlord for a direct space, a direct you know, full floor vacancy that they have. And um, we don't know if they're going to reject it or not because we haven't gotten that far in the deal yet. But the listing agent for the sublease told me that from the very beginning when they started subleasing the space, the landlord told them right off the bat, hey, we're going to reject every deal you bring us if we can reasonably do so because we want to push the land, the uh, the tenants, the prospects, into that vacant floor we already have. That seems awfully short-sighted. You know, it, it may be. Uh, if the prospect wants to sublease and isn't interested in, this, in the direct space, the landlord, I think, is better off approving the sublease. But, you know, they want to sell the building, so they need the occupancy and are willing to reject the sublease. Let's talk about one of my favorite topics, money. What are the prices on all these subleases? They're more expensive, they're less expensive, they're easy to negotiate. What What's the deal on that? Well, in DFW, CoStar is reporting that the asking rate, the quoted rate for subleases right now, on average, is 15.5% less than for direct spaces. And uh, we typically find that there's more negotiating room in a sublease uh, than a direct lease. So sublease rates are likely even lower in the end, although, I'll say that I've been surprised in a couple of situations recently where a landlord got a lot more aggressive than we expected, got down to the rates that subleases were quoting in the same building, which really surprised me. But of course, that meant that we just went to that sublease and said, all right, here's what we'll offer you now, which was, of course, quite a bit less than what they'd been quoting and they accepted. So as landlords get desperate and start competing with sublease options, things are going to get very interesting. Okay, quick question I had. When you're talking about the quoted price, you're talking about the face rate of the space. You're not talking about tenant improvements or anything else. Because often in a sublease, do you get tenant improvements like you would in a direct space? No. I mean, you almost never do. So is a, a sublease space is always expected to be more like a plug-and-play kind of thing where you just walk in, take as is, and set up shop and get going? Reasonably so. I mean, there might be a few things you might change, like, paint and carpet, maybe move a wall here or there, certainly rearrange the furniture, although a lot of subleases have the furniture in place and you can just walk in and sit down in the furniture that's there and they'll just gladly give you the furniture. So so are you starting to see landlords get a lot more aggressive? Um, I mean, like I said in the previous things, some are, some aren't. Um, you know, I, I would say it's not a one size fits all kind of thing. Um, I've been kind of surprised at how inflexible some landlords have been so far. Um, you know, they still have high occupancy rates. They aren't feeling the pain yet. Uh, but, you know, it's starting to happen in a few cases, and I'm sure it's going to spread in the coming months. So you still think that overall rental rates are going down, direct uh, leases, subleases? Everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, CoStar says they're heading down. Their forecast says that lower rents are going to continue uh, well, I should say rents are going to continue to fall through the end of 2021, and then they'll start turning back up. I'm a bit more pessimistic than that. I think it's going to be uh, that we'll have falling rental rates through the end of 22. Um, 
and I mean, it could be longer than that, but I, I would think by 22, we're going to see a bit of an uptick going. Is that because you don't think the economy will rebound that quickly? No, it's because I don't think office use will rebound that quickly. I mean, even if the economy may rebound, companies have seen that they have an alternative to spending the money for office space. I mean, you have to remember that office occupancy costs are the second highest expense for most companies behind personnel, the payroll and the benefits. So if they can avoid that cost, it falls straight to the bottom line. So if they get good productivity from their employees working from home or by having a hybrid model where some work from home, some work for the office, they can significantly reduce their occupancy costs and improve profits. Do you really think companies will do that? I know we're paying it a lot of lip service, but do you think it'll really, they'll pull the, pull the trigger? I mean, they already are. And I know we're still in the, the pandemic, but just within our own client base, we're seeing it. I mean, I talked to tenant reps throughout the country on a regular basis, and they're seeing it too. Uh, I mean, one told me about a large insurance company that has locations throughout the whole country. They've already killed any new locations that were in process. They're not going to extend any leases that expire in the next year or so. They're going to close some offices and try to sublease those. And they do intend to keep their headquarters intact, but that could even be made smaller someday. So overall, isn't this good for tenants? I mean, really, a glut of cheap space on the market? I mean, it sounds like a good thing for a tenant, right? But it depends on which tenant you are. I mean, if a company's lease expires in the next year or two and they choose to sublease instead of going and doing a direct deal, well, yeah, they can probably save a fair amount of money. And it's probably a good for the thing for them to consider. And that's the way it's always been. Subleases are always available on the market and they're almost always cheaper. But for the company that's trying to sublease their space because they have chosen not to use it or don't need it anymore, it could be a good or bad thing. I mean, if they're still viable and they're just choosing to reduce overhead, all right, subleasing may be good for them. But if they're a company whose business has been devastated by the four shutdowns of COVID, well, it's just salt in the wound. Okay, so someone's in that situation. Can't they just declare bankruptcy and walk away from the lease obligation? Yeah, I mean, if they want to, if they want to bankrupt their company and not, you know, keep it as an ongoing thing. But if they do that, then assuming they haven't personally guaranteed the lease, they can do that. Um, if they've guaranteed the lease personally, now they have to make the lease payments out of their own personal money. Um, unless they take personal bankruptcy as well. And, you know, that's just heartbreaking. I think that's so important that you work so hard to keep our clients from personally signing a guarantee, if possible, on any lease. Every chance we get. But all this talk is just depressing me. I finally find my perfect sublease space. It's that gorgeous corner office I've always wanted for a song. And ain't nobody going to bring me a sandwich, do my nails, or let me walk around the corner <laughs> to buy a new outfit for the weekend. I mean, there's no retail to service these office buildings. There's no deli. Or if there is, it's a reduced, it's a 7-Eleven. Well, not in the building itself. I mean, most of the, the amenities in the buildings themselves, the retails, uh, outlets in the buildings themselves have closed. I'll grant you that. Um, but, you know, down the street, there might be those services available, but, you know, I'm sure you can still call a DoorDash or an Uber Eats to get your sandwich. I don't think you're going to go hungry. But, yeah, I mean, a lot of buildings have shut down their fitness centers, their common conference rooms. Some have left them over uh, open. But, um, you know, the, the thing I thought was most interesting about this is, you know, anytime there's a crisis, you're always surprised by what companies come out of the woodwork with information or uh, offerings that you didn't expect. And in this case, there's a company called Castle Systems, Castle with a K, 
And Castle Systems is the company that provides the access systems to get people in and out of buildings. So you carry the little magnetic card, you swipe it, and it unlocks the door, and you walk in. Well, they started reporting what percentage of people were swiping their cards to get into the buildings. So this has nothing to do with the office occupancy of the building uh, that we've been talking about previously. This has to do with how many people who have a lease in that building, employees of um, companies in that building, are actually coming to the office. And on a national basis, 17.6% of people with access cards have actually used them in a week leading up to the week before Thanksgiving. And that's for the top 10 cities that Castle uh, services. And you know, that number goes up and down from week to week. But what's interesting is that Texas cities top that list. Uh, Austin, Houston, and uh, DFW have been at the top of that list throughout the whole pandemic. And in fact, DFW has been the top uh, of that list throughout the pandemic. It was actually up to around 40% of people um, were swiping their access cards to get into their office the week before Thanksgiving. Of we, course, don't, we don't have a lot of the restrictions that other states have either. And we that's have a, the privilege right. to go back. That's exactly right. I mean, the local, state, and local um, restrictions make a big difference in that uh, as well. But, you know, it fell last week to about 24% DFW, but, you know, that was Thanksgiving week. So Making turkey and shopping for elastic pants. More important thing. <laughs> Well, we have a few clients who have put their space on the sublease market, and we currently have three fabulous office spaces in downtown Dallas, DFW Freeport, and Addison, as well as a Jim Dandy industrial space. Pardon my shameless plug here, but <laughs> Riata is paying for this airtime. Please contact me at jan at texastenantrep.com for info on those, and I'll send you floor plans, flyers, virtual tours, or I will take you on a tour myself, masks included. Hey, one last thought. You know, subleases are always in the market, even in good times, and they can be really low-cost, great alternatives to direct leases, and I encourage people to really seriously consider them. Uh, it's going to help somebody else out that may be in bad shape. It's going to help you out because it's going to be less expensive. You may get free furniture. You might get a free phone system. You might get free artwork on the walls, all kinds of stuff. But, you know, there are several things to watch out for when you're subleasing. There are certain risks to it, so you need to go into it with your eyes open. But, you know, if you talk through those things, you find the right one that fits your company's needs, it can be a really, really good thing, and I recommend them. That wraps up another episode of the Confessions of Recover Recovering Landlord podcast. <laughs> what <laughs> are you recovering, recovering from? <laughs> <laughs> We're brought to you by Riata Commercial Realty. We exclusively serve companies that lease or purchase office and warehouse properties. We never represent landlords. Find us at TexasTenantRep.com or give us a call at 972-677-0028. Hey, we really appreciate it when you guys give us reviews and uh, give us the, um, uh, what am I trying to say? When five you subscribe, five-star oh. ratings, subscribes, all those things, <laughs> you know what to do. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week. Bye.